0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Our Grit and Grace Sermon series continues. Open your Bible to John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun looks at a faith-filled statement from Mary, the mother of Jesus.
1: Now let's remain
0: standing and
1: hear the Gospel reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice first wine, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee, was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I am now going to answer the question that has been the question of the ages. It is the question that every Christian in America has been asking. Theologians have debated this for decades, and here is the question. Is it okay to pray for a parking space? Right now, in waiting for the answer, I know you are at the edge of your seats with great anticipation, heart pounding, palms sweating, for the answer is yes. It is okay to pray for a parking space. And for years, I thought it was too trivial a question. God is too busy to hear some sort of dumb prayer. But after a great deal of thought and talking to many a Yoda like mentor, I have concluded prayer for parking, you must. How can that be? Seems so stupid. It's okay, because nothing is too small for God. And second, in prayer, shouldn't we talk to God all the time about everything, even as we drive and as we park and and share with him our desires? For even if we think it, he already knows it, so we might as well say it. And for years, I didn't pray for parking, but I was always amazed my wife got a parking space super close to where we wanted to go. I called it a Chinese woman's space until I realized she was praying. No fair. In our gospel story, there is a wedding reception and the groom runs out of wine at his own reception. I mean, how embarrassing is that? I mean, local style, never have a dinner and run out of food or drink. I mean, never. Cardinal sin if you do. Have plenty left over, but never fall short. I have a heart for this bridegroom I mean, there was no MailChimp back then, no internet RSVP. How could you predict the final guest count? I mean, people just showed up. And Mary, the mom of Jesus, says to her son, they have no more wine. She just says a statement. But Jesus knows, as we all know, when a mother says a statement, it often really has an underlining commandment. When my mother says to me during a dinner, Aunt Jane has baked an apple pie, it's not a statement. It's my mom saying, Dan, say something of gratitude. So I say, oh, Aunt Jane, that's a wonderful pie, so tasty. I appreciate so much you taking the time to bake it. When my mom says, Aunt Jane is going to visit us this afternoon. That statement is really an order, meaning, Dan, clean up the living room, pick up your things. When Mary says to Jesus, they have no more wine, Jesus, they have no more wine, it's like Aunt May saying to Peter Parker, it's time for you to be Spider-Man and help out this guy. It's Lois Lane saying to Clark Kent, it's time for you to go to a phone booth and put on the costume. When Mary says the statement, they have no more wine, she is really saying to Jesus something a lot more like, it's time. I know what you can do. It's time to activate your supernatural powers and save this party. And Jesus sees the meaning of the statement and says, women, why do you want me to get involved in this? Now, actually, we need to know in ancient times when he said woman, uh, as a woman, my time has not come, that was a term of respect, not derision. Okay? Important to know. But let's go back to our parking space question. Is asking Jesus for a parking space any less trivial than asking Jesus to help an embarrassed groomsman or groom or an embarrassed wedding planner who messed up on how many guests were there? and how many were drinking. When the Bible says, pray without ceasing, I think that means like all of the time, right? When you're walking, when you're driving, when you're gardening, when you're working, and yes, when you're looking for a parking space. Pray without ceasing means all the time. And if you get a parking space, which we almost always do, then you better be saying mahalo to God. That's the second part of the verse. Pray without ceasing, give thanks, or second, the verse after, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. People ask me, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? Well, here's a verse that says, there are only two verses, and here's one of them that says, this is the will of God. Pray all the time, and you better be giving thanks all the time. So seriously, when you have a good friend, you talk to him or her a lot. Jesus calls us friend. He, he says he wants to be our friend. He said that in the Gospel of John. So we should talk to him a lot. So prayer is not magical. It's a relationship. We're talking to a best friend. And it doesn't mean you have to be um, journaling or speaking in a lofty way. It just means talking or writing to your best friend about everything. You know, I'm not sure if I've ever shared this uh, publicly until today, but since college, uh, I have been writing to Jesus uh, on an average of every two or three days. Uh, I talk about everything; might even talk about you. Um, nothing is too uh, too important or too trivial to talk to Jesus about. Not enough wine? Okay, to talk about that, says Jesus. But it also means to talk about our deeper matters, our social life, our money, our purpose in life, how Jesus can help us daily, and as importantly, how we can help others daily. The first point that we've learned from Mary is to always involve Jesus in our life. Talk to Jesus about everything. Now, if you only talk to Jesus about parking spaces, shame on us. But if we talk to him about everything, then great. Now, the second point in our passage can be a game changer in our lives. When we talk to Jesus and he acts and tells us what to do, then she says, you better do whatever he tells you to do. Doing what Jesus tells us to do means, first of all, have empathy for everyone around you even for a wine steward who has run out of wine, then respond. Do you try to bring Jesus into all situations for the sake of others? If Jesus tells you to pray for someone, are you immediately doing intercessory prayer? If he tells you to be generous and and give something to someone, are you? Are we putting our own physical effort in helping some someone showing some grit as well as grace? Do you feel for a friend who's like his turkey has been burnt to a crisp, and so you offer to run across town to buy another one already baked? But when Mary says, do whatever Jesus tells you to do, she knew the power of Jesus. She had the faith that Jesus would help in some way. Do we have the faith to tell people I'm going to ask Jesus to to intervene and heal or or help you. I'm telling you, if you come to the healing service at 2 o'clock today, I have the faith that Jesus will intervene and heal or help you in some way. I believe he always responds. Nothing is too small for him. I mean, if he cares for an embarrassed groom not having enough wine, surely he'll be concerned about your issue, whether emotional, spiritual, or physical. You may decide not to bring your friends to a healing service today, Uh, but I would say, well, that may not be smart because Jesus and the healing power of the Holy Spirit will be present. You know, we need to have the faith of the servants in the story. Think about it. The servants are the only ones who really know what's going on. And they're the ones who're like behind the scenes, like oh, what you want us to put water into these jars? Are you gotta kind of be kidding? You know, and then they go, whoa, look at this, like you know, pinot noir, like riesling. I didn't know we had this in Israel. You know, cabernet sauvignon. This is like really weird, but they got it. They were the ones who like did it, like not 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 knowing what's like Jesus is telling us to do this, and it turned out great. You know, I have been blessed that when I pray, I get to witness. I would say about 50 percent of the time, people getting healed in some way. And probably more healed, as many get healed after they like, walk away. Um, Jesus may be telling you like something scary. He may be saying, can you be generous or, or work on a bad habit or implement a new plan in your life? If Jesus tells you to pray expectantly with faith for healing of, of someone, will you do it right then? You know, last week, I was at Costco uh, getting new glasses, and, and the woman helping me, who I will call Sally in this story, uh, had, a, had a bad cough. And I asked her if she was getting over a cold, and she said, oh, yeah, man, for the last three weeks, I, I just can't get over this cough. And I felt this nudge from the Lord uh, to pray for her, and I'm thinking... Yeah, like, Jesus, this is like Costco, you know? Like, people are going around with their shopping carts and, you know, at the optical place, number 49, you know? And, um, and like, the, people can be watching me and everything, but the, the word was kind of like, pray for her. So I, I asked, um, hey, um, would you like me to pray for you? And she doesn't know who I am. And um, she said, yes. And i go, like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then... Um, <laughs> And then as we're taught here, it's like, here because the scary part. Um, would you mind if, like, I put my hand on your shoulder <laughs> when I'm praying? And she goes, yes. Sure, go ahead, do it. So right there in Costco. I'm like, I'm praying for her, and people are going around, you know, and talking. And then my business with Sally was done. I, I did my prayer, and I walked off. And... Um, And then later, I I was walking by that area, um, and uh, a different employee, with a huge smile on her face, yelled out to me, thank you for praying for Sally. And I go, what? She said again, thank you for praying for Sally. And I looked around, and there was Sally with a big smile, there was this employee with a big smile. And I thought, oh my goodness, word had gotten out here at Costco. (laughs) But it was a good thing. It meant people were encouraged. And, and I don't know if Sally got healed. I don't have this great story at the end, you know, her respiratory system was clear and, you know, whatever. Um, but when you feel the nudge, whatever happens, you got to do what Jesus tells you to do. Let me tell you another story. I have a friend on the mainland who works uh, as a nurse at a hospital And one day, a patient came to his hospital with a chronic, non-healing, diabetic wound on his foot. And um, this patient had been in and out of the medical system for about a year and a half trying to solve this problem with no success. And the hospital then decided that they would amputate the patient's foot. At this point, the wound had a circumference approximately about the size of a half dollar. Uh, You young people, that was a bigger coin. So uh, half a dollar. And um, with, with the tendon visible, which was located over the dorsal aspect of the foot, and another wound on the side, on the lateral side of the foot, it was swollen, edema uh, was still present. And the doctor decided it was time for amputation due to recurring infection over a year and a half, you know, p- poor circulation, several months of non-healing, with, uh, not reacting to the treatment And the patient, as you can imagine, I would be, was horrified and became upset, as I think most of us would be. But my friend Caesar, uh, a nurse on this case, felt a nudge from Jesus that Caesar was supposed to pray for healing and tell the doctor that he disagreed with the doctor's decision. (laughs) You're going, whoa. I mean, it was a real crossroads, right, of just do what Jesus tells you to do. I mean, imagine Caesar, a nurse, was going to tell the doctor, the attending physician, technically his boss right then, that he disagreed. I mean, you just don't do that. Now, first of all, you need to know, I love physicians, and, uh, and much of our prayer team has doctors and those from the medical community. So we're a church that believes in both, you know, medical profession, medical practice, and healing prayer, both and, not either or. And so here is Caesar, who's about to go out on a limb, and he said, and I quote him, I didn't know what came over me, but I felt this nudge from God, and I said to the doctor, give me a month. Don't amputate. Give me a month. And Caesar said to himself... That he was gonna pray like crazy for healing as he felt like Jesus changing water into wine, and that Jesus might heal this man who's about to lose his foot. And I don't know if the doctor thought it was like crazy, but the doctor hesitated and then said, I'll give you another month if we can get insurance approval and you keep caring for the patient changing his dressing, and continue the treatment we were applying to the foot. Man, if I were the patient, I'd be saying, listen to the nurse, listen to the nurse, you know, please. So every day for 30 days, Caesar prayed fervently for God and told him to do and, and saw the patient regularly and change the dressings as we were supposed to do and, and keep doing the treatment. And then a great miracle happened, as great as more wine at a reception. So, I'm gonna show you some pictures. I warn you now that the first picture, um, if you're squeamish, you should like squint or like close your eyes, look through your fingers. You know, if you're Asian, squinting's a little easier, you know. <laughs> okay, you ready? You ready for this? Okay. So let's show the first slide of the patient's foot that shows the severity of the non-healing diabetic wound. Okay. All right. That's enough. Let's go to the second slide. A little bit easier on the eyes. Some improvement, right? Or maybe a lot of improvement. A bit better. Okay. Now let's go to the third slide. You know, I come out of a a tradition, my personal tradition, that I've been super skeptical about healing prayer. I've seen a lot of crazy faith healers on television. And I all say, come on, I want to see, like, medical proof. There's no medical proof, you know. And I've showed you some in regards with my mom's um, lung cancer in the past. But here's another one for those of us who who are like me, have some skepticism in our hearts. Uh, I mean, this took a lot of faith on Caesar's part. And you should know, he had only been a Christian... For about six years. And he had only learned just like a year prior about healing prayer and that it works. But you just got to be courageous and bold to pray for healing for people and do what, he, what God asks us to do. So with a little training and a growing faith, he chose to step out and do what Jesus told him to do. Caesar heard God talking to him. And Caesar said, in essence, yes, my Lord. Yes, your majesty even if it meant disagreeing with a supervisor's decision, who had much more authority and experience and training than he. Godly gutsy. Now, he could have remained quiet. He could have disobeyed Jesus. And a patient would have lost a foot. So, challenge question. Do you personally have the will to do whatever Jesus tells you to do to save others? or to save yourself. And that will take grit and grace, which Mary has. She had the grace to care for for those in need like a poor, embarrassed groom. But she also had the grit of having tremendous faith in Jesus and knowing that he is God and he's going to make a difference. So here comes the, the practical third point where people kind of forget all of this when they hear messages about, just do what he tells you to do, okay? We gotta have this third point. Here it is. We can't do what Jesus tells us to do on our own strengths. We need the Holy Spirit. What Jesus often tells us to do is going to be miraculous against all odds, like turning water into wine. Therefore, we will need the Holy Spirit and not just our human power. People overlook this practical point. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or get this, we won't be able to do what he tells us, or we won't even hear what he, uh, his voice to know what to do, because we don't have the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus says in a book in the Bible called Acts, short for Acts of the Apostles, right in chapter 1, Jesus says to the apostles, before he ascends into heaven, last words, he says, you will receive power of the Holy Spirit... If you follow and believe in him. And for many Christians, they try to live life of their own power or on earthly secular wisdom and don't experience the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised us, where we will see more healing, for example, and flourishing in our lives. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, um, there's an event called Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon, the prime followers at that then the apostles, in a supernatural way, which is available to all of us if we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit then fills the apostles, and they're filled out with, with joy. I mean, they used to be real scaredy-cat fishermen or tax collectors or whatever, and, um, and now they're filled with joy and courage and boldness like Caesar. And from then on, when they prayed, people got healed. And when they prayed, they could hear God's voice more clearly, and now to fill out this picture even more, let's look at this chapter, chapter 1, just before Jesus ascends into heaven. So last words are always very important words, right? And we're really going to look at verse 14, but let me start at 6. So here we go. So when the apostles met together, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. A cloud hid him from their sight and they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you've seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs. They're in the upper room now. They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James, are listing all the important people. And then verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, very important, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So after Jesus told them about the Holy Spirit, we see that Mary was right there with the apostles, praying, fellowshipping with other women. And it would not surprise me if she was there with them at Pentecost. She heard about the Holy Spirit, and for her as well as for us, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Spirit, we hear Jesus' voice more clearly when he talks to us. And the good news is that we are empowered by his power to do whatever he tells us to do. The Spirit makes us want to do what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus ex. Expects us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, right? Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. But we will be empowered by the Spirit. When we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we can turn a corner in our lives. We will flourish. We will know Jesus more intimately. Our prayers will have more power even to see healing. Our lives... Though chaotic at times, we'll have a divine through line of Jesus' power. We're going to know his kindness more. We'll know his gentleness more. And the question is, that we're coming up to, is would you like to receive more of his Holy Spirit? Now, yes, when some of you became a Christian, on that day, the Holy Spirit entered you. And we may think, okay, okay. That's it, got the Holy Spirit, don't need any more, tapped out. But that was just an initial pilot light of faith of the Spirit's presence in your life. He needs to have a bigger relationship in our lives, a more intimate one. And over time, to be honest, we leak. We need to be filled more of His Spirit. And as we are filled with His Spirit, we will experience the Lord's tenderness, And we'll want to talk to him more, maybe all the time, even when we're looking for a parking space, or we're in work, or we're in play. And there may be some here who just say, I don't know, Dan. I don't need more of this spirit. I mean, the spirit entered my life when I became a Christian. I don't need more. That's it. End of story. I don't need to experience him anymore. I I can do things in my own power. But, you know, when we read about the followers of Jesus in the Bible... When we read about how they were filled with the Spirit, you suddenly find that they become adventurous, and courageous, and generous, and risk takers, and passionate, they're filled with joy, they're even singing in prison, hopeful, optimistic, patient, even in the midst of great suffering. They never were content in their faith, they wanted to grow. And the Spirit didn't tame them, or civilize them, the Spirit gave them a courage and a boldness and a passion they didn't have before, and it grew. So following Jesus, it's not like obtaining some kind of asset or some product or some containable power. No, the power of the Spirit is, is something that grows and is sometimes throbbing. And, and sometimes I know we can say as Christians, you know, I've learned everything I, I want about the Holy Spirit. And yet he becomes kind of the anonymous one of the Trinity, I don't need to learn more or grow in more of a relationship with him. He's just a containable asset, but that's not true. I remember Andy Croft of, of Soul Survivor had this great analogy of this, of this thought of uh, our saying when the Holy Spirit, Spirit entered into my life years ago, that's it. I don't need more of him. And he said, so what would what that be like thinking that like when I write a, a card to my wife of 10 years best? Now, I made a one-time commitment to Beth 10 years ago on our wedding day. Like, is that it? I mean, what would it be like if I wrote a card of my love for her after 10 years and said, you know, Beth, I have learned everything I need to know about you. I don't want to grow more in my love for you. In fact, in our marriage, I've surrendered a lot of ground to you, but now I'm not going to surrender anymore nor risk anymore in our relationship. I don't want to grow anymore in our marriage not going to sacrifice more. In fact, I'm not going to listen more to you nor follow your advice anymore. I've hit my ceiling. I've taught my capacity of love. Now, if he wrote a card like that to Beth, he's probably not sleeping with her anymore. But you can't do that. When you're in a loving relationship with someone, you want to grow more. And same with the Holy Spirit, that, yes, started on the day we became a Christian, but wouldn't we want to grow more and be filled more? And with the Holy Spirit, it's not like this gas tank where we fill it up and boom, we're done, you know? It's more like a balloon that gets filled with air and it gets larger and larger and larger. It's more like our lives are like leaky buckets that need more filling of water and, and call it stress or suffering or confusion or self-hate. Those things make us leaky buckets when it comes to the Holy Spirit, oftentimes, Mary joined the apostles, prayed and waited for the Holy Spirit to come that Jesus said would come after he left. And Jesus said, here's what the Holy Spirit is called. He's a comforter because he's going to comfort you. He's a counselor because he's going to give you wisdom. Like, wouldn't we want that? Who wouldn't want more of the Spirit in our lives? This community will become even closer and more intimate with Jesus if we're filled more with the Holy Spirit. If we want more of the supernatural presence of God in our daily lives. We have to ask the question, do we want to be filled more with the Spirit? And so we've come to the conclusion of this message. and That's my question to you. If you want to be filled more with His Spirit, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray for God's Spirit to come upon you and fill you more right now. The same spirit that makes miracles happen, feet healed, a party saved, and souls comforted and counseled. You want a filling of the Holy Spirit. And have me pray for you. Please stand right now. And now let me pray for you all as the worship team comes on up. Lord, there are many here who are going through a lot of pain and a lot of challenges and a lot of big decisions. Holy Spirit, come. Fill them with your love. Guide them as counselor. Comfort them as comforter. May they grow in a new intimate relationship with you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill them with your presence. May it enable them to talk to you, to Jesus, all the time. And may they rely on your power and not just on their own. And now as we continue to stand, let us sing hopefully even more filled with the Spirit, to Jesus. And as we sing, may we feel his tender love in a more, in a new way. So we're going to sing again that new song that we learn, that we may have a new song in our hearts to Jesus, for he is the King of Kings, our majesty, Jesus Christ. And may we lift our hands and our hearts and praise him. In Christ's name. Amen. Before I give the final blessing, benediction, um, some of you may want to pray with someone. Maybe it's something to do with faith, that maybe you're at a point like, wow, what is this? I want to know more about this Jesus and pray with someone. Or maybe it's something else of a physical or spiritual or emotional matter. So the prayer team will be in front of the cross and in this corner after the service, after the last song. And please come forward. And it could be a major pivotal point in your life as people pray for you in confidence, and with a listening ear. And now, please receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. I mean, you know, deep in your heart, the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and may you follow him and be filled with him for all time. In Christ's name, and all of God's people said,
0: amen. Mary's instruction was half the equation. We can follow Jesus best when we have the help of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at forty-five five-five-zero 550 Kionaole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, Nine six seven four four. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishito. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Copyright 2019, produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu, Koalao.